I'm Max Rowley, the announcer on It's a Knockout from way back. I hope you all remember it. This is My Geek Profile, a My Geek Culture podcast where we chat to various personalities of the Australian entertainment industry who have entertained us over the years. My name is Matt Fulton, producer, editor and host. I've been part of the media landscape for more than 15 years and I love finding out more about people who have been on television, movies, music, radio, just to see what makes them tick as well as entertain. You would have heard the dulcet tones of Max Rowley's voice at least in one stage of your life. Whether it was on TV, such as the soap drama Sons and Daughters, or the miniseries The Dismissal, or announcer on your local radio station, Max Rowley has been a prominent fixture in the Australian entertainment industry since the 1960s, including running his own radio school. However, I believe the most iconic place I recognise him from is the voiceover announcer for the 1980s game show It's a Knockout, a show hosted by Billy J. Smith and Fiona MacDonald, and featured contestants battling it out with obstacles and games in order to score points and win money. Later generations would have heard his voice again when he returned to the microphone when he was there for the 2011 reboot of the show, hosted by H.G. Nelson and Brad McEwen, but it didn't live up to its 1980s hype. YouTube it, you'll know what I mean. I spoke to Max Rowley about his TV and radio history and his thoughts on being part of an iconic series. Hello, Max. How are you? How are you, Matt? You have decades of media experience. You've got a rich history in the media landscape. You started your own media school. You have voiceover experience covering TV, radio, commercials, Uh, You're acting, you've got a rich background in acting as well. So you started and appeared on many iconic Australian TV series, which if I rattle them off, (laughs) this whole thing will be over. (laughs) How did you begin to get into any type of media at all, really? So we'll start with TV, if you wish. Well, first of all, I think my first taste of the media was when I did with John Dunn to SM, a commercial, filmed commercial with my mother and sister and uh, the lights and the cameras and all that. I must have been seven at the time. Really uh, struck me as exciting. And when I did the school, the I was in primary school at the time and we used to do the annual show at the Haberfield Theatre. I remember in a song, uh, we were doing a song, I suppose, and I was sitting at, at the stage and looking up at the lights and not singing a thing. And I think that the film experience and the stage experience got to me and it never let me go, I'm afraid. <laughs> you jumped into radio as well. So you, yes. you covered majority of Sydney and you also did Melbourne as well, didn't you? Uh, well, all all the radio serials were all over Australia and the rest of the world. The John Law Show, I think, was only in Sydney. Um, I, I was mostly I was asked to go to London to teach it uh, there. Um, they were doing a pirate radio thing, and they said, "Will you come over and teach?" And I thought, no, I want to stay. Everyone before me seemed to go to London or 
to America to learn their craft. And I thought, we're pretty good in the, here in Australia. I think I'll stay here and, and do it. And I did. <laughs> what was your first TV appearance? Uh, well, my first TV appearance was the Milkboard Show, and uh, it was with a famous Australian singer who saw the show, the producer saw the show, and decided to make us extras, all the cast extras on the show. So we got some TV experience. And that was way, way back. I don't know. Uh, oh, oh, gosh. I can't even remember how far back it was. But that was my first paid television appearance. You did voiceover for the Norman Gunston show as well, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. And that was really, that was a wonderful experience. And it was quite crazy. Um, yes, I, I, the, the idea of having my booth up behind the audience and and it was a little uh, uh, <laughs> a glass panel in front and Max Foley on the top seemed absurd, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. <laughs> How did you feel when Norman Gunston, or Gary McDonald, uh, ended up on the stairs when the dismissal happened? Uh, well, that, of course, was so famous. Everyone noticed that. Uh, but he did so many absurd things and um, appeared in so many famous places. It was hard to keep up with him, really. <laughs> that was probably the early definition or early style of going viral or, uh, what do you call it, a, a uh, stunt tactic, a guerrilla tactic, really. Yes, and he always mentioned the the, uh, the ratings in every show. So if we got bad ratings, he'd make a big thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> With that, you eventually, and this is what I've uh, one of the reasons why I wish to talk to you about, is yeah. that you became a vital part of It's a Knockout. You were the main voiceover for the series. Well, strangely enough... It was such an easy show. All I did was introduce the teams, and I did nothing until the end. And I said, uh, this has been a grandly production, naturally speaking. <laughs> oh, come on. You must have done more than that. <laughs> no, that's all I did, strangely enough. You've got to start somewhere, and, hey, you um, <laughs> you got your name embedded into the It's a Knockout Hall of Fame. Now, <laughs> in order to get that role, did they approach you at all? Uh, well, I'd done so many things for Grundy's, and Grundy's was the producers, and I worked at Channel 10 at that time. But uh, uh, it was sort of an automatic thing. They just said, can you do it to mark up? And Grundy's did. And I said, of course I can. <laughs> and it was very easy. I did the opening announcement. I had to do it live, but it was still very easy compared with some of the things I've done. And when you're saying that you did it live, were you there present at the location of the stadium? Yes, yes, right through the shows. And it was every week for two years, so it was quite a, a gig. <laughs> and that was located out in Dural, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And the, the the sad thing was that due to the number of complaints from the noisy neighbours, uh, we had to, because of our noise, close off the show, and it was dropped in 87, sadly. 
I'm a Sydney boy. I'm currently based on the Gold Coast, but I'm a Sydney boy and I was keen on the show. I don't remember what happened in this part, but I always wanted to go on the show and when I complained to my parents about it, my dad's gone, oh, yeah, we were planning to go, but your mother became pregnant with your brother. So (laughs) I blame my brother for not appearing. (laughs) Yes, my daughter was about uh, eight or nine at the time. And she was keen on it too. <laughs> so you're not alone there. <laughs> <laughs> Other than doing the voiceover for the entry and then at the end to wrap things up, uh, how much involvement did you have on location? Uh, like were you the warm-up guy as well or did you just sit in a booth um, and just do the presentation? No, I didn't sit in the booth. It was all open. Um, but another guy did the warm-up. I just did those two announcements. You can't believe it, can you? But no, no. You, you <laughs> did have it pretty easy. And I was well paid for it, too. <laughs> no complaints there, that's for sure. <laughs> How did you feel when they decided to bring its knockout back in the 2011 reboot? Well, I, I thought it was weird. It was being done offshore in Kuala Lumpur, and, um, and all I did was come in and record the opening and the closing uh, for each episode all at once at the beginning of the series. So it wasn't very much involvement for me. Do you think and it was a bit forced? Yes. It didn't seem like the old It's Knockout to me. I don't know. Did you see any of the episodes? Yeah, I watched all of them and I just I remember the hype, the build-up to it, and I thought, yes, it's coming back finally. And yeah. when they did it, I when I watched it, I thought, oh, this, it looks like it was half the size or not even half the size, probably about yeah. quarter of the size. Yeah. It was in the stadium and it was just something which they rented out. And yeah. it's it seemed too repetitive because they looked like they were very, very restricted to what activities yeah. they could do. I agree with you. I think it was all done in a block, uh, day after day after day. It didn't have any atmosphere. Billy J. Smith and, and Fiona McDonald were great host and hostess. They were nice people. They were from Brisbane when Brisbane wasn't the Brisbane it is now. Yeah. Um, I, I had a nice atmosphere. I famous guests every week and uh, different teams every week. I don't for the life of me remember Combat the Dog, but I'm sure it was there. <laughs> it was to come in with Jackie and, uh, and uh, Billy. But uh, it was amazing. It had a lovely atmosphere about it. If you can remember, and I do apologise if it, does put a bit of a strain on your memories. <laughs> well, at least it's 83, it should. Yeah. <laughs> and you're having a fantastic inning, sir. Now, the, can you define or can you think of one of your most favourite games in the series? I think that they were all very exciting and very interesting to watch. Uh, no particular game that I enjoyed. What was your favourite game? I say between the, the either the Grand Prix or when they climbed when they built the Loch Ness monster. Oh right! <laughs> so every time they climbed up, and you, I always wince or 
you know, get a bit concerned when they got too high and if they slipped, bam, they would fall down and collect themselves on one of the stairs that they put up on the wall. They agree, yes. I think all the shows, all the the games were good and uh, obviously that one stands out to you. But they all stood out to me. Uh, They're rather enjoyable. Since you were there on the spot, how long would one episode take to film? Um. Well, gee, you go back a bit there. Um, it being a live show, they didn't take much longer than two hours because they'd have to set up for each new one. So while I'd been right there early afternoon, I'd be gone by five. And I'm in time for tea. <laughs> yes, that's right, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so when the, the reboot happened... And on the 10 website, they released classic episodes from the series that you were on. Yeah. Now, they're only up there for a short period of time and then they moved on. So once the reboot series finished, that was it. It was all over. Mm. Now, do you have any copies of the episodes for yourself at home? I think I have um, somewhere in my collection of old videotapes. Uh, a copy of one episode, maybe. Now, do you wish there was a commercial release of these episodes? Well, uh, if they, they think there's a market for it, I think that would be very good because it's a little bit of a strength in television history. Um, yes, I think that could be a goer. <laughs> well, if they don't have all of them, I'm sure that they can release a best-of compilation or something like that, <laughs> just to keep the juices flowing and remember the good times where, it, like, unfortunately some people have passed on since. Uh, yeah. But it's great to have those memories and pass it on to another generation of this is how simple things were. It's nothing like Australian Ninja Warrior or Wipeout <laughs> or anything that <laughs> looks crazy. <laughs> Didn't take ourselves too seriously. It was going in there and having fun and making a family event out of it. Yes. What a pity that Billy Smith, after such a, a wonderful career, just fell down. Uh, he had a fall and that killed him in two, 2019. Yes, it's such a pity also in the show being put put down, as it were, by noise complaints from neighbours. It was an unlucky show, I think. But uh, very nice for the audience. Yeah, in fact, I do have a newspaper clipping here, if I just quickly bring it up. And it was someone who, uh, oh, here we go, one person, and it's in the newspaper from 1986, the Sydney Morning Herald, Yeah, Mr. David Largo, who lives closest to the Inglefield Stadium in a large brick house, the arrival of the TV crew about four times a week, participants and audience often spells his departure. So as soon as <laughs> people would come in, he'll be like, I'm out of here. Well, he didn't, he didn't think about all the people that were put out of work by the show going. But, well, that's past the water under the bridge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, the stadium doesn't exist more and it's all housing, which, hey, you know, yeah. these things happen, so all we've got is the memories, and that's why I'm hoping that Channel 10 or Grundy's or whoever owns the rights ends up releasing these episodes or otherwise it's going to be lost to the sands of time. Until you reminded me, I didn't know it went to 
the USA and Mexico and uh, Argentina and then uh, to Chile in, in uh, 1992. Quite, quite amazing that it had such a big audience. I think there's a market out there, definitely. Yes. <laughs> it's a bit drawn out, uh, the, the current, uh, you know, Superman show, the one where everyone whips up uh, various logs, runs over water. And what's that called? What's that show called? Australian Ninja Warrior. That's what it is. It's a bit long and drawn out where Knockout had immediate gratification for the audience, I thought. Again, thank you so much. Thank you very much. And I thank you. (laughs) Thank you, mate. Max Rowley is enjoying his well-earned retirement and I cannot thank him enough for making time to chat. Thanks for listening to My Geek Profile podcast for mygeekculture.com.au. This podcast is produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.